Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them. And we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. What do we do first? What are we saying yes to right now? Oh, well, we always say yes to cracking those claws. Cracking. Cheers. Cheers. Start every fucking episode like this. So um, what are we talking about today, Megan? Well, we are talking about consent and building a consent culture. So this week's episode is kind of like a sister episode or a companion to season one, episode nine. Oh, yes. Where, which was called Us Two, and it's where you and I both shared our personal experiences as survivors of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Uh, important, but kind of heavy. And I think I personally kind of came out of that episode thinking like, okay, we've talked about the problem. Mm-hmm. What's the solution here? Right. Like, why, like, what is the solution to rape culture? Mm-hmm. And so then we, we invited um, my friend and colleague Morgan, who's a um, sexual violence prevention educator, to come and talk about, like, what consent culture is, mm-hmm. what consent actually means. We got into right. some, like, confusing shit. We went through some twists and turns, and it was a really cool conversation. Such a cool conversation. And yes, it is fucking confusing. And if you listen to our episode, um, as two, you could see that we were both confused with what happened and mm-hmm. if we were allowed to feel the way we we're feeling. If what is sexual assault? What is rape? I don't know. Like, but, um, Morgan is very clear in this, um, episode. What is consent and what that means mm-hmm. is an enthusiastic, Yes. yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not just like one thing that I that really stuck with both of us is she talked about like, you know, we like no means no is the fucking floor. Right. And even yes means yes isn't strong enough because mm-hmm. sometimes we say yes when we mean no because of power dynamics or coercion. Yeah. So consent is like enthusiastic. Everybody's having a great time. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be there and is and not just okay with what's happening, but like okay, enthusiastic. Yes. yes. And we love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking clear as day to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, of like, yep. yes, I want to do this instead of like, yes. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis. So I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. 
Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples. And so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. I guess I want to do this for you. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, l- lots of learning with this episode. Yeah. So we talk about all that. We talk about how a culture of an enthusiastic yes leads to more pleasure and more fun for everybody. I've been noodling around like we don't just need a culture of consent. We need a culture of pleasure and oh, like what yes. that would mean. Yeah. So anyway, it's a fun one. Yes, we talk about sexual assault, like trigger warning if you need to – keep that in mind. But this is not a heavy episode. This is a hopeful episode, I think. I think so, too. We're changing the script, y'all. And um, the more we focus on um, the the enthusiastic yes, hopefully people will know um, and it'll be clear when that yes or no is really like, fuck no, you know? So. So here's Morgan and let us know what you think. Yes. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, we're really excited about this conversation um, because, you know, we've done, we did an episode last season on our experiences as um, sexual assault survivors. Mm -hmm. And um, in doing that episode, realized we really wanted to do an episode on prevention and building a culture of consent because. Right now we live in such a culture of sexual violence. It seems like it pervades almost everything. And a lot of people really don't know what consent actually is. Mm -hmm. So we're super lucky to have you here today. Yes, for sure. Um, Yeah, because reflecting back on that episode, it was us too um, from last season. It was uh, questionable, you know, about the consent that I gave or didn't give or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, ah, so mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on today and um, sharing your knowledge with us, <laughs> educating us and our listeners. Um, so for the listeners, Morgan is a sexual violence um, prevention educator. Um, 
She's been doing that work for about two years. And then prior to that was doing other forms of community education um, around, um, you know, the movement to end sexual violence. Um, And so that's a really cool job. Can you talk first about (laughs) what that, what your job like really is and um, how you found your way to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a cool job too. I have a lot of fun with it. Um, so my job has a lot of components. I help um, up. I help the upkeep and creation of anti-violence curriculum, and so um, that involves research and writing curriculum as well as facilitating discussions with a lot of different people. Um, our prevention curriculum is mostly aimed at adolescents, so like teen teenagers, mostly high school age. Um, and it can also be adopted for college age students as well, but I've done the curriculum with adults. I think, you know, people of all ages really benefit from this. Um, it also involves working with school districts, talking about kind of district wide initiatives to support anti-violence work, um, as well as participating in work groups that can be county specific. They can also be statewide or national, Uh, So working on kind of multiple different levels to um, stop, prevent, to try to stop violence, prevent it from ever happening. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, my high school definitely did not have that. Neither did my college. Um, Yeah. I mean, I feel like whatever health education I had in high school was basically like, don't have sex or you'll get an STD. Yeah. And that's it. was like, yeah. The main yeah. theme. I don't even remember getting any sort of education, to be honest. Maybe in health class from our health like a teacher, little bit, and but not like somebody who was actually, you know, that was their job and their focus. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like, you know, yeah, little in there, dribbled in there, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and like really always like very stigmatizing and sex negative kind yes. of talk. Always just don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, come on, I'm already doing it. So (laughs) (laughs) exactly. So how did you find your way into this work, Morgan? Yeah, um, I've been working on sexual violence response on that side for, I mean, I actually just took a step back from it last year, maybe not even a year ago. And prior to that, I was doing it for maybe eight years, eight and a half years. And so working on the response side really really grew my passion for trying to work on the the prevention side or the education side is just hearing these stories over and over again, how common it is, how often it's happening, the dynamics that are leading it to happen um, at such high rates. And so uh, it really got me, you know, starting to think critically about what kind of environment we're all living in where this can be happening so commonly and what we can do to try to prevent that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, it's a rough out there. That's for sure. <laughs> so I, I appreciate the why behind it. Um, because I'm sure like hearing all those stories, you're like, well, what can I do? You know what I mean? There's, there's only so much that you can do. I mean, you're obviously helping somebody through the trauma from all of that, but then more so, you know, when we think about, um, even in the medical field, like prevention, like let's not, how, how do we stop this from happening in the first place? You know, that's where, that's where it's at, you know? So thank you for, for that. So yeah, totally agree. Once you're, once the trauma has happened, then it's all triage. And if we could just live in a world where consent was commonly understood and people's bodily autonomy was respected, we would, you know, I, I personally, like as a trauma therapist would love to be out of a job. I would love for people to stop 
hurting and causing harm to each other in this way. Um, so it's nice to be on the hopeful side of the conversation. Um, you know, I've just been throwing around the phrase consent culture, like since we started the interview. Um, and I was wondering if you could kind of help us define what we mean when we say consent culture, like what is it, what would it act, what would it actually look like to have consent culture versus like what kind of gets dubbed like rape culture now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I appreciate I appreciate you bringing up the term rape culture because in my mind it's kind of like the opposite side of the coin. And mm-hmm. so for folks who aren't familiar with the term rape culture, it's talking about, you know, the the culture we live in in which sexual violence and rape are happening at extremely high rates. It's also referring to a lot of other things that are present in our culture that kind of uphold those attitudes, values, beliefs and create an environment in which these things are happening. Um, And so for me, consent culture is kind of, again, the opposite side. So you can look at it within the framework of consent in a sexual relationship, but it actually expands out like much further and much more broad than that. Um, And that's something we're finding like in the education world as well as the way that consent has been taught historically um, is insufficient. It's not working hard enough, right? Because we're waiting too late to start talking to people about consent. Um, and we're not also not reinforcing ideas of consent in non-sexual environments. And so uh, there's a lot that goes into it, right? And I think consent has also kind of had this like evolution or this walking journey, at least since I came on the scene of, and have been paying attention to how it's been talked about, um, where we've had like different initiate initiatives or different ways of like introducing the idea of consent and some are kind of more successful than others. And so similar to your experience, I didn't have any kind of consent education, I think, until I was like deep in this field, really. (laughs) Um, I think maybe once in college, I had to fill out like a survey that was like, do you understand what consent is? Yes or no kind of thing. Uh, which like is really no definition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean by consent? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, there have been initiatives of like no means no. I don't know if you all have heard that before. Um, and that kind of evolved into like this campaign of yes means yes. And so it's kind of, it's moved a little bit past this, um, this definition of telling people like what not to do and now moving into a space of like, okay, if, if you shouldn't be doing these things, then how do you actually have healthy relationships and how do you actually seek consent and communicate consent and all of that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I like the idea of, well, I mean, obviously I do think that no means no is an important thing for people to understand. It's mind boggling that anyone totally. could interpret no otherwise. But I do love the frame of kind of saying like, so what is, what is a yes? And what are like, what does yes mean? And right. what are, what's kind of the positive side of it and expanding it out into relationships beyond just like sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. Well, because I feel like there's multiple ways that people say no, even though it may not be the word no, there are multiple ways um, that they communicate that whether uh, you know, literally saying it or acting it out or like pushing somebody away. Like there's multiple ways that no is said um, that some people may not, you know, uh, respect, (laughs) you know, or um, so, yeah, I think having another initiative on top of that, you know, the yes, you said yes means yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
that's pretty blanket. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I mean, I guess it is. Well, I mean, is it like, how would you, I'm, I'm sort of sitting here thinking like, like, I wonder how, like, how would I interpret that? Yeah. Yeah. So confusing. Yeah. Totally. I think even like pushing past that, the ways in which we try to educate on consent now involve, you know, it needs to be an equally enthusiastic and informed agreement. Yes. That means everybody participates. Enthusiastic, yes. Exactly, yeah. There isn't anybody who's like, yeah, sure, okay. Everybody is on board. They feel safe, they feel respected, and they're into what's happening. Mm-hmm. Everyone's really into. Um, I think further past that, too, it's also a recognition of, like, the relational and the cultural context in which it's happening. So if there are, like, strong power dynamics at play, mm-hmm. if no is not really, like, a viable option for the person, if no is not on the table, then how true is that? Yes. And so being critical about, you know, any power dynamics that might be present. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Because it makes so much sense. Like just thinking about, well, just any number of situations, both like professional settings, but just other situations where one person has more like social power, social capital, or they're like bigger physically. Like there's so, there's so many reasons why sometimes no isn't something that feels like you safe to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or why we say yes when we don't really want to, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that's so important. One of the reasons why it's so important to have this conversation today on this podcast is because um, the whole sh- don't talk about it. You know what I mean? Like not talking about, people having sex, you know, or the no's or the yeses or the uncomfortableness of like, oh my gosh, what was that? Did that just really happen? Did I consent to that? You know, like a lot of this doesn't get talked about because people just don't want to bring, you know, don't feel safe bringing it up. Uh, Maybe feel ashamed that they did say yes when they really meant no. You know what I mean? Like there's so much around all of that um, about not talking about shit. So I appreciate you coming on here and like this is this is how we can do this this is how we can navigate through these waters and recognize when a situation you know being enthusiastic about a yes and we're all in this together like for real for real you know like and reading the room you know reading the situation and not you know and if even if you're on that other side and you're noticing this person is not super comfortable with what's going to happen like just having that, you know, being aware of that, um, because you could also be the one, you know, initiating or doing something, um, that somebody doesn't agree with, you know, I'm not any, in any situation, um, and just being aware of your own actions, um, mm-hmm. and the other person's like response, you know, in other ways. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think people have just like a really hard time talking about sex in general and, it affects everybody differently and like how you were socialized, what was your upbringing, how you're interacting with the people or person with you're with at that moment. And so, yeah, we can usually tell when somebody's uncomfortable in other contexts, but for some reason, when it comes to like sexual relationships, there's like a lot of weirdness or people have a hard time talking about it. And so I think in order to shift this culture and just, and absolutely like right now in this moment, we have to be kind of like critical and aware of that if we're going to be having sex with people. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about like before this interview, like why is 
enthusiastic consent, something that's not just talked about in regular conversation. Like it shouldn't be, but it's almost like this radical concept, like enthusiastic mm-hmm. I know. I consent. Like, oh, yes! <laughs> I was on board with that. I get that. I understand that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I'm curious, like in the um, prevention field, just in your work, like what are some of the thoughts about why this, why something so basic as everybody consenting and feeling good about what's happening to them feel so taboo to so many people? Mm-hmm. That's such a great question. I feel like there's a lot in there. I know. Um, it's like, do you have a dissertation on like, all of the social political context for, for that question? But, you know, I'm just curious, like, if there's any sort of, like, thoughts or working models around why this is, like, a hard considered a hard conversation to have. Mm-hmm. I think, well, just talking about like adult education, I think there's a lot that comes up in that, but in a lot of my work I'm doing, um, I'm centered around talking about how to provide consent education for teenagers. And like I said earlier, like what we know is that we need to be talking to people younger and younger and bringing it up in different contexts. There's, there's kind of this major block when it comes to pleasure with, um, youth in in particular, but I think that can also come up in adult settings as well, but people generally don't want to educate on sex from a a lens of like, what is pleasurable or how to find pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, we have like a really strong taboo about talking about how to enjoy sex with young people. Um, and I think that that's pretty intergenerational. I can't say I can locate where it came from, but it's very strong and alive today. And I do this work in a, in what's considered like a very progressive part of the country. So, um, but I can say for certain that it still comes up with the people that we work with and with adults too. Like if there's any kind of social stigma or anything like you talking about like women and embracing their sexual pleasure, like that's definitely still a social stigma as well. Yeah. It's making me think we almost need to build like a culture of consent and pleasure. (laughs) Like feeling pleasure is our right. It's okay. I mean, I think it was, I mean, one of the things that I can only speak for myself, like, like when you're a kid, sometimes if you're in that, like if you're masturbating in front of people, you know, they're like, you can have parents that shame you and then you feel like wrong for like feeling pleasure in that way. Yeah. And then like that just like sticks to you. Well, at least it did for me for a long time. Like it's not okay to feel good in this way, you know, um, am I doing something wrong? Especially if you're not being educated about it, you know? As a kid, because a lot of things that you learn from fucking up to what, six or seven years old, that's like your fucking you're shit, wired. you know, you're wired for that. And so it's, it takes a lot to unwire that type of uh, thought, you know, behind it all. But I agree with you as far as like starting way young, because there are there are so many things that um, that kids have, con- you know, like a right to consent to, you know, not just sex or whatever, but just like saying no, like being okay, saying no, you know, like you can say no to your parent. Like, I don't know why, like, don't say no to me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where, why or how, I mean, I've, I've definitely said that to one of my nieces and nephews, but you know, sure. In a different way, you know, like if you're going to go clean up your room, no, well, you know what I mean? Or clean up your mess, you know, that's different. But then when it's like, like, can I have a hug? Yeah. Give them a hug or can I have a hug? And they say, no, I respect that. You know, it's okay. You don't have to force them to hug me, you know? Um, but at what age do you start, you know, the consent 
you know, training, education or whatnot, yeah. you know, it's hard with, cause parents, so if you start with the parents, you know, and then go with, you know, is that what yeah. you've been doing? Or I don't know if you do that as part of your, your job. Mm-hmm. I've, I have done education with parents. It's more of kind of like letting them know what we're doing with the youth, but, but also we've done community talking series where people of like any age have come in and talk about their own experience with like their understanding of consent, where they got those messages, how they think it relates to sexual violence as like a broader, you know, understanding of what sexual violence is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're recommending consent education on every developmental level. It just looks different depending on the age of the individual. Um, and for like really, really little kiddos that could start with talking about like just having folks get comfortable, like in their own bodies and understanding what their bodies are telling them. So, you know, making food for them and saying, does that taste good? Do you enjoy this fruit or do you like this better? And letting them have a say in that. So learning um, bodily autonomy that their body is for themselves and that it can create like a lot of different sensations and to really like understand and appreciate that about their body. I think um, with younger kids, we do, we don't mean to, but we can send these messages of like their comfort is a lower priority over other people. And that comes up like in that conversation of, you know, go hug your grandma. And they're like, oh, I don't want to. And you're like, no, just go do it. Your grandma wants a hug. Show her that you love her by doing this, right? Mm-hmm. And what that's communicating implicitly is that this makes you uncomfortable, but not making grandma uncomfortable is more important. Mm-hmm. And so all of the little ways in which we do that. So give it, yeah, again, giving them autonomy over their body. If they don't, if they don't want to hug that relative, then they don't need to. And when they give you an answer, respecting that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I've seen a shift with some people you know, yeah, and that whole hugging situation because it, it can get really uncomfortable, especially if the kid's like, no, and you're like, it's okay. And they're like, no, give them a hug. You're like, no, it's okay. I don't want to hug. I don't want an unwanted hug. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want the hug like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to force hug me. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's really important, important lesson too, of like, you know, if that person isn't into it, they don't want to give you a hug, then you don't want that hug either. Like you need right. to respect other people's, what they say as well. And that can come up in like sharing toys. Like there's a lot of simple ways that you can deliver these messages that aren't, you know, there's a lot of news articles that are like, educators are teaching five-year-olds about sex, like the kind of fear articles. And it's really, it's more basic than that. It's respecting boundaries that are set with you, teaching them that when they set a boundary, it is respected by other people. And that's just the expectation across the board and to have empathy for other people. If you're making someone uncomfortable, how can you recognize that? Totally. And I feel like that's so important. Um, I hate those fucking fear articles, you know, because what it comes down to is, yeah, five-year-olds need to know their boundaries. They need to know their body because shit happens to them, you know, like, yes, and they need to know that it, it's not okay. You know, like, it's yeah. just, yeah. It's making me think, I don't know where this memory is, like why this memory is popping into my head right now. But I, when I was in like preschool, um, we were playing boys chase girls on the playground, problematic game to begin with, probably <laughs> like, if you want to teach consent at your preschool, start by not letting that be a game. And I was running from the boys. They caught me. They pushed me to the ground and like rolled me around in this like prickly grass that grows in my hometown and like pulled my skirt up so they could see my underwear. Mm-hmm. Who got in trouble mm-hmm. Me for showing my underwear, quote unquote. 
Uh, My mom was livid, but like, and this was a progressive Montessori school, but Mm -hmm. the boys, like there's a lot to unpack there. If you think about it, like the game itself is like hugely problematic. Um, If the boys caught you in that game, they got to kiss you, which is why, and I think I didn't want them to, which is why they pushed me down. Mm -hmm. But just like, like we're all, we were like four-year-olds, like already in that social programming. It's so gross and sad. I mean, this would have been what, like 1987 and things were really different in the eighties, but like, that's just kind of like the root, the core of the problem. Well, yeah, because I think, I mean, everything starts when we're kids, you know, we're, we're figuring shit out and, um, we're also mirroring what we see, you know, our, how our parents or relatives treat other people, you know, they think that's okay. They don't, we all don't know any better when we're that, when we're that young and that's why it's so important to you know educate the parents or the adults, you know, and then it trickles down, you know, to the, to the children. Um, Cause there's no understanding there, but um, I feel like it starts so fucking early and people don't talk about that. You know, people don't talk about how young kids are when they start exploring their bodies and exploring other kids bodies, you know, and nobody, and some of the parents just want to pretend like it's not happening, you know, yeah. Or just shut it down and shame them. Totally. Yeah. Which it's a, it's a super normal developmental stage. Like it is a stage that most children do go through. And so, yeah, I think that there, there is just a general misunderstanding and there is like a shame and stigma over it. So if your child is being sexual in any way, maybe just like shutting it down and shaming it completely instead of being kind of more critical of what could be going on for, for the kid. Um, and yeah, not, not a lot of adults have this type of education or this like lens that they're viewing those things, but there are like lots of ways in which adults could intervene in that example you gave Megan that, that would have like helped interrupt that or like teach a lesson that didn't necessarily need to like shame them. Yeah. Or you for that matter. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Like, wait a second. <laughs> oh, God, it's so dark, but it's dark. I mean, it actually was making me think of a question I have around like how not having a culture of consent is harmful to all people. So mm-hmm. I do think that this gets framed first of all, like in the gender binary, mm-hmm. like uh, lack of consent culture is bad and dangerous for women. Um, we never talk about like how it harms men. And then we also keep it real binary, ignoring the fact that like there, you know, there's, it's a lot broader than that. Yeah. But I was wondering if you could talk to, like just kind of help us and help people listening understand why um, changing our norms around consent is actually good and healthy for everybody. And, and everybody is harmed by a culture of violence and, and a rape, not just the people who are being harmed. Like physically. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, people of all genders experience by uh, consent violations and people of all genders can, can like violate consent themselves. And so it is something that impacts all people, not just women. I've heard that a lot too, that it's like a women's issue. And ultimately the goal is to have like healthier and more fulfilling interpersonal relationships, whether that's like romantic, sexual, platonic, you name it. Right. And so I think being able to shift that culture to, to one that has more empathy and care for one another, that has more understanding of where folks could be coming from, where people feel more empowered um, in themselves to, you know, be strong in their boundaries, know that they'll be respected and also to like own their own pleasure. Like that just seems like it's going to 
benefit everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and people of different genders like experience these things in different ways. Um, I think that there's harm that's happening to all of us, right? We could spend a lot of time kind of yeah. pulling these all apart. But <laughs> something I talk about with um, the youth when I'm doing youth education is talking about how like you're, if you are living in a consent culture and you're promoting that with your own relationships, you are going to have better relationships. You're going to have more fulfilling, trusting relationships that, you know, sex is better if everyone feels comfortable and empowered in what they're doing. Like if there isn't like a stigma or a question about if everyone's on board with that, like that's going to result in, in just better sex, better relationships just in general. So totally feeling safe is like everything. If you feel safe and free and like, um, give full consent, (laughs) it's amazing. (laughs) It's totally worth it. (laughs) I love that. Cause one of our questions we had for you is like, how do we, um, turn this into something that feels sexy and not awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I remember a few years ago when I was first dating again out of a, out of a really long-term relationship and would be like getting physical with people. And then they would ask if it like, is it okay if I kiss you? Is it okay if I, this, and in my head I was like, ew, why are you like, this mm-hmm. is so fucked. Like, but I was like, why, like, why are you asking? I'm obviously into this. Like, don't ask. That's like so unsexy. Like this really like kind of gross, like damaging programming, like ran through my head mm-hmm. when like what Raina's saying is true. Like this like sexiest like thing, the biggest turn on is feeling safe and excited about what you're doing. Yeah. But I did sure. just have this thought of like, oh my God, are people asking before they do every little thing now? Um, and then I had to interrogate myself about that later. But I do think that 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 is sort of like a common fucked up thought that exists around this. So how do we, how do we change that? Yeah, totally. And that you're not alone in that thought. I think a lot of people have had that reaction and that's something that I think when, um, maybe during the beginning of the me too movement is when I noticed this, when people are talking about consent a lot, that was like a common reaction people had it was like, Oh, you're going to have a sign a contract. Like we have to agree oh, that yeah, the part that. totally. Or the like, now I can't hug my friends. Cause I'm going to get, you know, called right. out or whatever, which is, I mean, there are so many things that I could talk about within those sentiments, but, um, like the idea of safety, right. When I say safety to a group of people, most of the time people think of like, not harming the other person, like the absence of like usually physical harm. And that's a really low bar for safety. We want to talk about like emotional safety, like psychological safety, where you can really be present in your body and, and safe in there. Right. So kind of shifting that as well. Um, I, so like the idea of like getting consent or getting the agreement, like making sure that nothing you're doing is that, sorry, let me start over. (laughs) So like asking for consent in the way of like, is this okay? Is a pretty low bar because you don't want it to be okay. You want them to be into it. Mm -hmm. And so if you have this relationship in which like you're checking, checking in with each other and everything is enthusiastic, it's going to be so much easier for you to ask um, for something different, right? If like you want to switch up positions or like you want to try something new. A lot of people kind of struggle with having those conversations with people they might be having sex with, whether they've been with them for a long time or not. But if you're, if you have that emotional safety in that relationship, like it's going to make it, it's going to open up so many doors, right? It's going to make it so much easier to have those conversations. Um, 
And I think once you get out of that, like awkwardness of like this way of doing sex is new, um, it just, it gets better and better, right? Any kind of change is going to feel a little weird at first, I think. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show like, um, you know, as far as consent goes, you know, like doing the work on, like if you're in a long-term relationship or even, even just if you're single or whatever, like doing the work on what feels right for you, you know, um, and why. Yeah. Yeah. It's something we're all like rape culture is something we're all swimming in, right? It's like the water, you don't notice it's there. And so it is just like an active journey of kind of unlearning all of these things. And consent has a lot of like aspects or parts to it. It can be like before it's, you know, before, during, and after a sexual interaction. So like we talk about aftercare sometimes in our classes, which is like so important, which is this idea of like providing care to somebody after you have sex with them, but also maybe like debriefing how it went, like what felt good? What did you like? What were you like not really into? Um, that is definitely a part of consent and consent culture. And I think helps can help build that safety to like really be honest about like how you're feeling um, and what you enjoy and what, what maybe you don't. Talk so. about it, y'all. Talk about it. Mm-hmm. Morgan, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious where you see people getting mixed up or feeling like stuck in what feels like a gray area. So like, did both of you watch the show I May Destroy You? Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think probably a lot of people listening did as well. There's a scene in the show where the main character is having sex that she agreed to have with uh, with someone. And then halfway through, he takes off the condom without her knowing. Um, and yes. she fi- And then it turns into a whole thing. The number of phone calls I fielded from friends who I think know that like my one of my jobs is working as a counselor to assault survivors. The number of phone calls I fielded from friends <laughs> saying like, okay, I just watched that episode. That happened to me. Was I raped? Was I assaulted? Like it feels like a violation, but I'm not sure that that word fits either. And But I know I didn't consent to it, but now I'm really confused and just like, People just like it. And I love that the show put that, I put that in. I love the conversation it started. Um, But it made me notice that there's a lot of gray space that we swim around in and a lot of places where we get sort of tripped up. Um, And I'm wondering if you have like just thoughts on that scene and folks' reactions to it in general. And then also just thoughts on like where you see people getting sort of like lost in the, in the, what feels like a gray area sometimes. Yeah. Um, that, that does come up a lot. And I think that that's like something it, it's definitely a conversation starter, whether folks are like on board with consent culture, they have like some, some hesitations around it. Um, so that scene was great. What we referred to the word we used to refer to that is stealthing. If you consent to a sexual interaction where there's like a condom being used and then that person removes it without your knowledge in the middle of sex, And it's a consent violation because you were consenting to one form of sexual activity. And when that barrier method is removed, you're no longer informed about the type of sex that you're consenting to. And so that can come up in a lot of ways. I think people get really tripped up on this idea of like, what's the legal definition or like, what is sexual assault, right? Like that's their, they want to use that as their standard of judging whether something was okay or wrong. And I would really like encourage people to kind of like step out of that mindset 
that any kind of like consent violation, whether it's illegal or not, is something that we need to be like really weary and cautious around. Um, and so really, yeah, um, kind of stepping up our game about what what we're allowing to happen or not. Like that's part of rape culture is just kind of this slow desensitization to different forms of violence. And so violence can look a lot of different ways. It's not always like a really physical violent act. Sometimes it's pressure. Sometimes it's coercion or manipulation, like trying to get an answer that you want to hear and not necessarily the answer that that person's giving you. Um, That's a consent violation also. And so I think just kind of trying to like step out of that mindset of like, you know, where's the legal barrier or like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Cause a lot of things that are like acceptable in our culture are, are not, I don't think so. Cool. So, and the laws um, too, or aren't they like iffy, like who fucking made those laws anyway? Men are, sorry. Right. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not going to get any argument from me or Morgan. People. Well, I mean the rape laws, like, like it's like thing, mm-hmm. right? Like it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I really love, love you making the point that we like cannot hold ourselves to the legal definition of sexual assault or rape because the definitions are very narrow. Um, even if your experience matches that definition, like your chances of seeing any form of accountability, legal accountability are small. And, Mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm liking the phrasing consent violation. Like if so, it, it, because I think there are like, I had a friend that was like, I just can't call the being stealthed, the stealthing that happened an assault. Like that word doesn't feel like it fits for me, but it does, it does feel like what happened was wrong, but I don't ha- like, I don't know what vocabulary word to use for how I feel right now. So like, oh, it's if nothing fucking wrong, I know, but like, no, I know, but for this person, like because just of not because nobody wants to say. Well, it just didn't feel because I think that when you experience a violation, the way you experience it and interpret it can be different for a lot of people, yeah. and it also can change over time. But I'm yeah. just I'm literally liking the language of consent violation yeah. as like something that people can go to if they're trying to figure if they're trying to figure it out. Totally, yeah. Like at least I know that. You yeah, know, that my consent was like violated. you can start there. I was. Because how I see that is I go immediately to like, um, like either getting an STD or getting pregnant. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I did not consent to mm-hmm. unsafe sex. Like that's a whole fucking other thing. Like, so anybody yeah. out there listening, do not fucking remove your condom. Do not stealth people. It's ho- Do I not mean, do that. Yeah. Unless you have a conversation about it. But fuck, dude, nobody yeah. wants to accidentally get pregnant or it wouldn't even be an accident. You know what I mean? Like you just totally violated everything. My body, really, like now your skin in, yeah. inside of me. You know what I mean? Like I wanted a barrier there. You possibly gave me an STD or I gave you an STD. You know what I mean? Like. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know. There's oftentimes, or I would argue almost always there are consequences for the person who experiences the consent violation. And so, yeah, it just ties into like all this other systemic violence that, that people face, right? So like access to abortions, access to emergency birth control, access to STD treatment or testing. Um, Or like having this like emotional, like labor over like, what just happened? What What am I supposed to do with this? You know, I know it's wrong, but what do I do? What is this? What is this? You know? 
Um, and then the person is just walking away like, oh, I came really good. You know, that felt so good. You know, like. That's such a good way of so putting it. Like the emotional labor you have to spend trying to figure out what happened. Right. When we're so attached to like yeah. legal definitions being the only thing that can define an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I do, I offer that term to people who experience that because like you said, Megan, like people, people's relationship to their own experience can change over time or, you know, language is so subjective that maybe, yeah, I feel like sexual assault doesn't describe how I'm feeling or how I would describe that. If I was talking to somebody who did that to somebody else, I would absolutely, absolutely use the term yeah. sexual assault yeah. because, I just because it is. And we, I was like, it was yeah. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. He's like, I know that's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying here. <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. But it's important. It's important to make that distinction of like, if you're talking to somebody who's explaining something that happened to them, we want to take direction from them. But if you, there are lots of ways in which we can interrupt rape culture and promote consent culture by like having these conversations with people around us, whether we're using a television show as an example of that, or you hear somebody describing something that they did or someone they know did. Um, I think those conversations are super important. And, um, you know, like rape is a really loaded term. Sexual assault can be a really loaded term, but something we talk about in the class is like sexual assault is a harm that someone does to someone else. If I, accidentally step on somebody's foot, I still stepped on their foot, right? That harm still happened. So it is like a term that I would stick to of like that, you know, that is a, a sexual assault that was committed or that was a, a consent yeah, violation, yes. right? And like thanks for drawing. It. Yeah, exactly. Like you it thought about it. Yeah. Broke, you know? yeah. And there's a reason that you didn't ask, right? Like, right. thanks for drawing that distinction. I spend all my time with survivors. So I'm all, like, I'm in like, sur- like working with survivor brain, but I really appreciate both of you like saying that and being super clear, like it is an assault and um, needs to be called out. Yeah as that to people that are out there fucking doing it. And I know it happens all the time. I know. So totally. stop fucking doing it. People who are doing it. Like it's assault. Yeah. Even though you're not intending to do it or yeah. not, like it's, that's what it is. You know, they didn't make the choice. And totally, totally. And like having accountability around that is, is an act of care, right? Like if you're calling somebody out on that, you're, you're giving them education you're telling them, like what that is, the harm that that causes. Right. So, um, I think people get a little weary around that. They might feel uncomfortable, like bringing that up, but I like to remind them that having accountability around that is it's giving care back to your community. It's saying that you don't want that happening to anybody else. So being able to have those conversations, being able to, um, create spaces where folks can like learn in a non-judgmental space, both about like what sexual violence is and also like how, how it can happen. Um, there's, there's so much, there's a lot to it. Topic. There's so much, but I think this has been mm-hmm. a really good introduction for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, many of whom I would guess have not had spaces to have these kinds of conversations because unless you're in a class or you do it for work, it's not a conversation that people are just having. However, listeners, we encourage you to take what we talked about with Morgan today as like food for thought and food for conversation with your friends, your partners, your loved ones, mm-hmm. and see where it takes you. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask, is there anything big that's really important foundationally to this conversation that we missed that you want to make sure people take away or have to think, have time to think about? 
Um, I think just like with any kind of like culture shift or like norm change, it's going, it'll be tricky. Like there's a lot of unlearning and, um, just like it can be uncomfortable, right? Like reflecting on your own experiences on either side of this issue and just encouraging people to like not run away from that discomfort to kind of sit in it and be critical of it. Um, That's a big part of the work is just understanding that it probably will be uncomfortable and being okay with that. And just knowing that like that discomfort, it's, it's worth it. It's necessary, right? The stakes are too high. So it's something that we just kind of have to work yeah, through together. So worth it. Cause I, um, I didn't sit with it for a long time until about my past experiences with sex or, you know, being assaulted until I did. And it was so uncomfortable for me. So fucking like a lot of emotional labor, mm-hmm. but it's, you're only going to get good things from it. Like if you open yourself up and like, yeah, be critical, take a look at yourself and, um, and then know what you want. You know, what it really comes down to is like knowing what feeds your soul, what makes you happy, what, what you want, you know, um, and being able to say no to the things that you don't want and like really mean it, you know, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, thank you, Morgan. Yes, I love um, this whole conversation. Yeah. We could talk all fucking day about this. <laughs> yep. So we hope that this has been helpful for folks. Um, let us know what you learned. Um, you know where to find us on Instagram at don't talk podcast. Um, we seriously really want to know what people are learning and taking away yes. from this one. So shoot us a message. Let us know. And Thanks again, Morgan, for being here. Yes. Um, thanks to everyone listening for being here with we us, love too. love what you do, Morgan. You're out there doing the work. Yeah. Appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, thank thank you. you so much for having me.